last word on the environment on Today FM. With ESB Networks, connecting you to a clean electric future. ESBnetworks.ie Last word on the environment time with John Gibbons. So John, what's your problem with cats? What have cats, part of nature, ever done bad to the environment? <laughs> Good evening, Matt. No, I'm I'm not quite on on the on the rampage against cats. It's more really just looking at their impact. It's something really picking up from uh, an item that you carried on the show yesterday, uh, where you you reported that a town in Germany has uh, introduced a ban on releasing cats outdoors during the day in order to protect ground nesting birds. And that sort of set me thinking, you know, uh, what are the wider uh, implications for, particularly for domestic cats? And of course, we've got an awful lot of domestic cats, uh, both here and internationally. So, for example, the International Union of the Conservation of Nature, that's the IUCN, they list domestic cats as one of the world's uh, worst, what they call non-native invasive species. And you might say, well, why is that? Uh, for example, in the in the US, it's reckoned that cats uh, kill about 2.4 billion birds a year. Now, it's an incredible number. So a, an individual cat might be killing 75 birds a year. That's just one cat. And I tried to scale that back. We don't have exact stats for Ireland. I tried to scale it back. It, and assuming that we're roughly on the same on the same uh, ratio of cats here, that means Irish ca- Irish cats are probably killing about 40 million birds. Now, in addition to that, of course, cats also predate on small mammals, which could be everything from shrews to mice and so on. Now, obviously, getting a few mice, nobody's got a problem with that. But already, globally, bird populations are under enormous pressure. And the problem with cats, really, Matt, is that they're kind of scaled down tigers. Now, genetically, the the domestic house cat is indistinguishable genetically from the European wild cat. So as most people will tell you, our dogs are kind of, you know, they're sort of extensions of ourselves and they're, they co- totally depend on us. Cats, on the other hand, have a, a much more interesting private life. When you let them out, out the back, they basically switch on their primordial hunting mode. And this, by the way, includes cats that have been well fed. So you may have, you may have given them their kitty cat, but they go out the back and essentially they become proficient hunters because you're looking at millions of years of evolution. So these are finely tuned killing machines. Now, in Ireland, for example, there is no indigenous cats. So the bird populations in this country would are not adapted to cats because they they wouldn't have evolved alongside cats. So cats arrived here with human populations thousands of years ago and birds are still struggling because cats are such fantastic predators. They're so incredibly skilled at hunting. And it's reckoned, in fact, that the domestic cat, in terms of its ability to kill, is right up there with anything you'll find on the Serengeti. I think we've done it all in the programme now. We finally got to kill our cats. (laughs) I'm not sure there's anything left to cover. Well, Matt, on that, right, I mean, for example, of course, uh, we don't we don't uh, want, of course, lots of people like cats, uh, more of a dog person myself, but lots of people like cats. However, there are things that we can do to reduce the impact. And I think that's what we're talking about here. So the first thing and the obvious thing is to make sort of reduce your cat's natural advantages. A couple of ways you can do that. Number one, keep your cats indoors during early morning and evening times, because this is the time when birds are feeding and particularly be aware of the times of the year. Like roundabout now, when birds are nesting, so they've got they've got young birds, novice birds in the nest. 
that and they're most vulnerable to being grabbed by the cat. So keep your cat in early morning, uh, late evening. Keep them indoors longer. Number two, there's a couple of things. You know the old belling the cat story? Uh, yes, if you can fit your cat with a little bell, that's helpful. But there's a better one that I came across and it's called Birds Be Safe. And basically it's a very bright pattern collar that you can put around your cat. It's quite safe for the cat. And what it does is birds have very good eyesight, uh, but they're very, it's difficult for them to, to detect a cat because of course it's, it's patterning is designed for camouflage. So this collar, this brightly colored collar makes it very difficult for cats to sneak up on birds. Now, so that's, an, that's something to look up for. It's called birds be safe. So there are practical steps we can take. Nobody's trying to get rid of, of, of everybody's moggy, but also we have to be aware that as I say, a typical cat is effectively a scaled down tiger. And you then launch that into your domestic into your domestic situation or into your back garden and they cause absolute havoc. And I suppose it's one of these things that it's only really when you start to think about it, like like so many of the things we cover here on this slot every week. It's only when you look into it, Matt, that you see the the true the true horror <laughs> looking back at you. <laughs> Okay, sorry, right. Okay, uh, let's move on to more serious events. The World Meteorological Organization report, which I see noted five extreme weather events in Ireland last year. That's right, Matt. They, they basically tracked uh, one drought. I think it was uh, two major storms uh, and also um, two, two uh, extreme, extreme uh, heat waves. That was all in the, in the course of 2021. And that, of course, was just here in Ireland. And what it's telling us really, I suppose, is that globally, the temperatures have ratcheted up uh, globally by about 1.1 degrees centigrade, which, as they say, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's the largest change in 12,000 years. And what they've noticed is that basically... If you look at the, the instrumental record, which goes back to the uh, late 19th century, the seven hottest years, Matt, ever recorded have all occurred in the last seven years. So the pattern here is absolutely unmistakable. The world is heating up and it's heating up quickly. And that, of course, in turn, as we've spoken about many times here, is having all kinds of impact. So if you scale yeah, but it... You see, John, what struck me, I was looking at these extreme weather events that were identified according to information given by Matt Aaron, an unusual drought dry spell that lasted for 30 days from the end of May, an unusual heat wave from the 16th of July lasting up to 10 days, and other heat waves as well, and an unusual extratropical cyclone from the 26th of November. Do we not, have we not always had those extreme weather events? And I remember heat waves back, for example, in the 1970s and 1980s. That's right, Matt. And the reason you remember them, part because you're so old, part, part from that, the reason that, you're, <laughs> the reason that you remember them, as I do, by the way, uh, is they were so rare. I remember, for example, as a young kid, the 1976 heatwave. It was marvellous. Now, the 2018 heatwave went by almost unremarked in Ireland, yet it was probably slightly warmer here than 1976. So what you have is a thing called the shifting baseline syndrome. Essentially, the country has got hotter, drier and simultaneously uh, stormier and occasionally prone to severe flooding. So that has changed. I've spoken, for example, to people who work outdoors like farmers and asked them about this. And especially if you ask older, older people, uh, farmers in their 60s and 70s, and they will tell you that the conditions, the climatic conditions, the weather conditions that they work in compared to when they were young fellas. Uh, I know people say, oh, things used to be great and now they're terrible. But they will say, in fact, that what they remember is the predictability of the weather. Yes, we had rain, but we had this thing, Matt, called the, the Irish soft rain. You remember that? This is the yeah. kind of 
of misty stuff. Now what we get instead is we get basically monsoon style conditions. And I know it here. We, we have a little um, little pond in the back garden. Uh, and we noticed over the last while that the level in that pond had dropped uh, probably nearly a foot over the last while. And basically the here in Dublin, we've had semi-drought conditions over the last two to three months. Now we've had some heavy rainfall in the last couple of days, but it's when you see something like the, the level of a pond dropping that you realise, in fact, how rarely it rains. Now, when it rains, as it did, uh, and if you'll pardon the pun here, it comes down like cats and dogs. Uh, it, and last night, for example, it was absolutely hopping off the roof. And that's what we're noticing is a shift in our patterns. And I will say as well, Matt, that when you add one degree centigrade to our temperatures, as we've done uh, in Ireland over the last 50 years, that increases the uh, atmospheric capacity to hold water by 7%. So we basically have much more moisture in the air. And when that comes down, it comes down in sheets. Okay, one final one. And there was a launch by the Environment Minister, Eamon Ryan, today of another campaign to encourage people to walk or to use their bike, particularly in Dublin. But it seems that while numbers walking are increasing, a lot of people are opting out of cycling, presumably because of safety concerns. Yeah, I think so, Matt. I mean, overall, it's quite encouraging. And as you said, we're seeing a lot more people walking in Dublin. And I do think uh, COVID had an effect on that, an impact on that, where people were getting out and about. And walking, I think, became a hobby that people are now carrying over back into the, into their regular lives. And I, I know that myself and my own girls, uh, they started cycling, for example, during COVID. And unfortunately, they haven't kept at it because, of course, once COVID ended, the traffic is back. The, the provision of cycle lanes is still inadequate in Dublin. We're, we, it's better than it used to be, but it's simply not adequate. We don't have a joined up network of protected cycle lanes. And unfortunately, people want active travel. We know that the health and other benefits of it are huge. I mean, for example, it was calculated that the physical activity benefits of walking and cycling prevent 589 early deaths a year. And this is valued at 2.89 billion euros. So if you've got people out walking and cycling, we're saving the health system here in Ireland billions of euros. And these are the things that are not really taken into account when we find people lobbying furiously, for example, against cycle lanes, as if somehow that were competing unfairly with with, with road users for, for car space. Because just remember, every pedestrian you see on the footpath, every cyclist that you see, that's one less car in the city. So rather than seeing them as comp- competing with you, we should instead be looking at, at cyclists and pedestrians and people using public transport okay. as actually more room. Thank you very much, John Gibbons. We'll talk to you again next week. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.